Welcome to Brain Aneurysm Conversations. Hello, I'm Cynthia. In this episode, we are not so much focusing on brain injury, but brain repair. More specifically, we'll talk about the links between the health of our brain and what we eat. Quite literally, we concentrate on brain food. Lydia Irving, our guest today, is a nutritionist who has plenty of great suggestions of beneficial foods and she discusses some of the physiology that happens in our body and brain. Lydia explains why we should target some foods and has some amazing suggestions if our injury has affected our taste or appetite. There is plenty on our podcast menu this episode, so let's get started. Good morning, Lydia. Good morning, Cynthia. Welcome to Brain Injury Conversations. Thanks for having me. Now, I've read that the brain is arguably the hungriest organ in the body, consuming roughly 20% of your energy each day. Yeah, it's doing a lot for us. A huge amount of energy goes to the brain. When we're talking about energy, though, it's really important to understand what actually the energy is that Mm -hmm. we're referring to. And I like to explain this because energy can be a bit of a, you know, what is energy? But it's ATP. That's the currency we use in the human body. We use something called ATP. ATP. Yeah, it stands right. for adenosine triphosphate. And to make energy, we require nutrients and cofactors. But what we make energy inside of are these tiny little organelles. They're called organelles that live inside cells and they make the energy from our food, from our nutrients. And so when we're talking about all that energy used up in the brain, it doesn't just come from nowhere. And it doesn't mean it's just happening. We need to nourish it and we need to make sure the mitochondria are working properly. And the way we do that is through nutrients as well and lifestyle choices as well. Uh, Yeah, the brain does use up a lot. A lot of energy. Mm. So when you've got a brain injury, Mm. so it would be working harder to repair as well as to just feed and do the normal things. Yeah. So what sort of, what foods are important for, for a healthy brain? Yeah, so just with regards to having a brain injury and the mitochondria, that's a big part of what's actually damaged. So we're talking about the physical injury side. Then we look at the cellular injury and we see the mitochondria do get a little bit damaged. And so, yes, you do need to be feeding the mitochondria because... And before I go into what foods exactly, I kind of want to make it... Because my big passion is making it connection like making the connection to your body rather than just eat more nutrients and then you'll get better it's like why what's actually going on so when we're looking at the mitochondria and the amount of energy output we want to understand what actually makes up the mitochondria and what feeds it and this will tie into something we talk about later hopefully if we touch on the vagus nerve But mitochondria actually uh, are changing, are forever changing. And it's not like you've just got those mitochondria and that's all you have and you're stuck with them. So say, for example, after a brain injury, you can still change your mitochondria. Yes, you're not going to come back to 100% um, improvement or healing, but you can change the mitochondria. They're not static. So they respond to your environment and they respond to your diet, which I think is really exciting because we're so focused on health being very static. And and something I notice a lot is if somebody has, you know, say, for example, a broken arm, no one focuses on the nutrition side of that. It's like, oh, just put it in a cast. But what can we actually feed the body to support having it in a cast and repairing the cells? And yeah, maybe there'll still be a bit of damage left there and you might not have full mobility of the arm, but you know that you've been able to feed it the nutrients required to repair the arm where possible. And so that's the same with the brain. And the organelles, the mitochondria, actually used to be bacteria. So in our cell, we have heaps of different mitochondria, heaps of mitochondria, 
and they used to be bacteria and they've evolved with humans and that's where we get our energy source from. And the thing we know about bacteria is bacterias are changing, evolving, whereas human cells are very static. So that's where the repair is coming from, the fact that these microorganisms, these bacterias, have helped us to make energy. Sorry, I went in a bit complex to begin <laughs> complex. with. <laughs> for most people, and for me, bacteria sounds scary. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we've been kind of raised to fear. But the, the matter of the fact is 99% of microorganisms are essential for our health, are beneficial, increase our neurotransmitters, famous neurotransmitter being serotonin which helps the brain, made by bacteria in the human body. 99% um, of bacteria are essential for life. We need them. And then the 1% can kill us. And that's what, that's what people have focused on. Yeah. So when it comes to what food we need to eat for repairing and supplying energy to the brain, first and foremost, it's about accessing the kind of building blocks, the structure of the cells in the brain. And a main structure is fat, actually. And fat's a big thing that a lot of us have cut out of, a, out of our diets mm. from fat-free. For so long we've been yeah. told it's a bad thing. Yeah, exactly. And it's not. We need it. It's not, exactly. Yeah. We have fats called essential fatty acids, and they're essential for the physical structure of the cells. Uh, and then I think the key things, if I were just to name two, it would be magnesium and essential fatty acids. And magnesium is an essential mineral, which I can elaborate on. So, yeah, when I talk about magnesium as well, a lot of us are deficient in magnesium, even if we don't have a brain injury, hmm. from stress, various yeah. stresses in our life. Because we need magnesium for heart rate. Yes. And it does all sorts of... Magnesium is mm. amazing. So we, so magnesium is an essential mineral. We use it for more than 300 plus enzymatic reactions in the body. So all that means is to move a muscle, we need magnesium. To have a thought, we need magnesium. To dilate the blood, we need magnesium. And there's several different forms of magnesium. And this is something I don't think many people understand. Some people like to include magnesium supplements in their regime and they'll just go to the chemist, get a magnesium supplement, and they're still getting the symptoms of magnesium deficiencies, which could be poor sleep or cramps or sore muscles or whatever it is or um, pain and it's not being switched off or managed because it's the wrong form of magnesium for that person. So my favourite magnesium at the moment, based on research, is magnesium malate because it's a form of magnesium that helps increase energy, reduce cramps, but also really good for mood and behaviour. And well. where would someone find magnesium malate? So it is, it is naturally existing in foods, and so all our magnesium foods, sources of magnesium in foods, have a variety of different types of magnesium in them naturally. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, just a purchasing of a supplement through a practitioner. But what foods could someone, what foods will supply will more magnesium? Yes. So, hopefully the soil has magnesium in it to begin with, because that's a big issue with why we don't have enough magnesium. Um, and we need about 1,000 milligrams of magnesium per day, minimum. Um, so, foods really high in magnesium, if you consume meat if you consume animal products organ meats are a really high source and a lot of people throw those away or don't even look at them because they're quite revolting um, but that they're really really dense in all our minerals not just magnesium uh, and that's if you know you know how to hide them well in food as well uh, and then of course our... so when you're talking about organ meats you're yep. talking about Livers and kidneys and, and brains. brains. Yeah. And the things people used to eat. Exactly. Yeah, we used to eat it. Because it was that nose-to-tail eating. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. We used to consume the whole animal. And then somewhere along the way, 
we got so disconnected from food that that became revolting to us. Mm. And in actual fact, you know, if you spoke to a tiger in the wild, which would be a bizarre thing to be able to do, but they would go straight to the organs and that's what they love because you don't have to eat much and you get a lot of nutrients from those. Um, So I'm a, I don't eat, I personally don't eat a lot of organ meat, but I try to include it where possible. So it's not like we're having it breakfast, lunch and dinner, but every now and then, because it's so high in nutrients, it's just a nice thing to be able to include. And I found liver pate to be the nicest (laughs) source for some. Uh, But then of course, seafood. So uh, oysters, again, really high in magnesium. Um, And then we look to our dark leafy greens in the plant world. So dark leafy greens, kale, spinach, parsley, oregano, thyme, all of these are really, broccoli, really rich in a variety of magnesium sources, magnesium minerals um, types. And then my favourite food in the world, which is cacao. And cacao is the pure source, a pure form of chocolate. And cacao is a great source of magnesium, along with iron, zinc, potassium, and phosphorus. So, yeah, and then our nuts and seeds. So nuts and seeds provide a lot of magnesium. And going swimming in the ocean gives you some magnesium as well. And what about for the um, essential fats? Yeah, so we see so essential fatty acids, we're looking more towards a type of fatty acid called omega-3 fatty acids. And omega-3 fatty acids are predominantly found in fish. And the best source is actually, if we're looking at supplements, we're looking at cod liver oil. And then if we're looking at food sources, you're looking at the oily fatty fish. The smaller, the better. Uh, and so sardines, yeah, and those little sardines, anchovies, yeah. yeah. I'm realizing that all the food I'm mentioning so far are quite rich, strong flavors. Maybe not the most palatable for some, but maybe really enjoyed by others. Um, but the reason why I recommend the smaller fish is because larger fish are quite high in mercury. And if we're focusing on brain health, we don't want to be exposing ourselves to more mercury. So the small fatty fish are are the best options. And then, of course, like wild-caught salmon, Atlantic salmon's got a lower level of uh, mercury as Mm -hmm. well. Um, And then other sources of essential fatty acids come from our nuts and seeds. So walnuts, macadamia nuts, almonds, and then sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds, chia seeds. Flax seeds are great sources. The one of the reasons I remember to eat walnuts is because they look like little brains. Yeah, I know. Nature's yeah, so intelligent. Yeah, intelligent. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Eat this; it looks like a brain. Yeah, eat more of that. <laughs> That's Even kale because it's got that yeah tightly um, curled like little lobes. Exactly, and it's got like the um, the nerves mm. going through the kale. You see it, the structure. Yeah, so that's how I remember to be those Good on you. What it looks like. Yeah, in a weird way. Um, And also just hydration in general. Yeah, hydration is a big one. Um, As we all know, we're mostly made of water. uh, And the analogy I like to give is if you have a creek and the creek's drying up and it becomes stagnant and doesn't flow you don't want to drink that water. If you went down to that creek to drink that water, it would be rich in pathogens and bacteria and you could potentially get sick. We prefer to drink from flowing streams where the water's flowing really well. And that's like the human body as well. That's where if you're in a flowing stream, it's clear, you know it's clean, it's being recycled, not recycled, it's being replenished, it's being replaced and nothing's sitting and becoming stagnant. And so that's the same in the human body. So a big, an amazing thing the body does is detoxing. The body has an incredible way of detoxing everything. And, you know, like before I was talking about making more mitochondria, so that's rebuilding, 
We also have to get rid of cells that aren't functioning. We want to get rid of cells and excess hormones and excess neurotransmitters and excess plastics that come into the body and excess heavy metals. We want to be able to get rid of those out of the body. It's really, really important. Uh, so hydration and water content in the body is really important for getting rid of stuff we don't need anymore. And especially if someone has to be on a lot of medications, you want to make sure you're supporting hydration water as a way of detoxifying out of the kidneys. And then, of course, we need the water as a way to carry nutrients through the body as well. So there's a few few things going on there. And uh, sometimes we don't get signals to drink. We don't get signals to drink water. So it's something that I remind people to maybe set an alarm on their phone. And if water doesn't taste very good, don't be afraid to add a bit of salt to the water to make it a bit more hydrating. So just normal table salt or? Probably more like a rock salt a or a pure a sea salt. salt or something, yeah. Yeah, not, not like an iodized salt yeah. because maybe you don't need the iodine. iodine. Yeah. Uh, or adding just a bit of, like a little bit of fruit juice or a little bit of... Um, a lemon or Lemon, lime, apple cider vinegar. It could even be sparkling if you need that for the texture in the mouth. Uh, but definitely prioritizing water um, and listening to, you know, well, if your body's not telling you to drink water, set reminders. Hmm. Or I have a jug on my kitchen bench that I have to finish. Finish. That's such a good thing. I tell so many people to do that. So many people don't know to drink enough water. <laughs> and I know it plays with my headaches. Yeah. If I'm dehydrated or... Yeah. Yeah. And really important that we listen to our body if it's giving us cues like that but it's learning to know those cues and signals isn't it it is and yeah. everyone needs to learn those we're so easily disconnected especially with screens and appointments and things out you know everyone's got screens and devices that distract us from our own bodies um and so being able to connect in with what does a headache feel like in your body or what does hunger feel like in your body and don't be scared of those symptoms. So sometimes people with a brain injury, they'll lose their taste and smell will change. Yeah. So what would you suggest to maybe add a little bit or making sure that they're getting enough nutrition? Yeah, so... Obviously, it depends on which tastes are being kind of enhanced or reduced, mm. which flavors in particular. But something that most bodies still love is fat and salt. That kind of activates the bliss point, the perfect combination of fat and salt. And so a really important collection of foods that we all need to eat are our vegetables. And if veggies are really bland or really hard to digest because there's just so hard to find the flavor i would encourage always making sure they're cooked and putting some kind of fat with it and some kind of salt and that's kind of just the baseline but of course we can increase on that and experiment so with when you say fat what sort of fat would you oh, thank you yeah so olive oil mm -hmm. or butter there's nothing wrong with pure butter real butter real butter and then ghee's quite a stronger flavor even then and that's kind of clarified butter really pure fat from the butter uh coconut oil if you like that flavor i struggle with coconut oil if i'm <laughs> honest but some people love it uh and then i would really avoid vegetable oils like the plague any vegetable oils like canola oil soybean oil um sunflower oil they're rancid oils that are quite toxic especially for the brain so sticking to cold pressed oils or animal fats because they're much and more stable no margarines no margarine no <laughs> avoid that margarine is actually black and they dye it yellow they bleach it because it's naturally not naturally but what they do to make margarine is they turn the liquid into a solid doing uh, through a hydrogenation process where you add in nickel. And then add a colour. 
and then you have to dye it because black's not an appealing thing, except for in Vegemite, but it's not an appealing butter replacement. Yeah, that's a, I'm glad you brought up margarine. It's a big passion of mine. Or dispassion. Or, dis- or hate. Yeah. Dispassion. Yeah. Is that a word? Yeah. Um, so basically it's fresh food. Yeah. Unprocessed. Yeah. Fresh vegetables. Yeah. Small fish. Yeah. And fat. Yeah. Yeah, and look, I haven't even gone into protein. I can go into that. But just in terms of making foods tastier and more palatable, getting your veggies in is really, really important, and lots of people don't like veggies. So as I said, fat and salt, but then also your herbs and spices. Hmm. So don't be afraid to experiment with lots of herbs and spices. And I think we don't use them enough. I think people get a bit scared of how to mix herbs and spices, but you just start experimenting. And paprika is quite a beautiful flavor mixed with cumin and coriander seed. And not only do they taste a bit more, maybe. How do you go with herbs and spices? I use a lot. Yes. Nice. A lot. Beautiful. So they've got flavor, but they're also dense in nutrients. Really, Like the highest source of minerals comes from some of our herbs and spices which is quite fascinating I think. It is fascinating. Mm. What about things like ginger? Oh ginger's wonderful. Ginger's really good for gut health and it helps with blood circulation so it's one of those ones that would be great for the brain just in terms of supporting circulation in the body. So now we've gone to gut health. Yeah can't stay away from it. (laughs) Um, The vagus nerve yeah. so the 10th cranial nerve goes to the gut yes and they call the gut the second brain can you explain a little bit about that yeah definitely uh some even argue the gut's the first brain <laughs> um so the vagus nerve vagus meaning wanderer and it wanders it's the longest nerve it wanders throughout the body uh, well from the brain to the autonomic nervous system so that's our digestive tract and our our sex organs Uh, And the digestive tract is home to actually a lot of central nervous um, system cells. So we've got a lot of our CNS uh, neurons in our gut, which is fascinating because we've been taught or the common knowledge is that the central nervous system is the brain and the spine and not involving the gut at all. But we actually have found a lot of those cells in our digestive tract. And so a really big connection between gut and brain, and I think something that we can apply to everybody and that maybe everyone can apply to themselves, is two things the gut really, really does to us. One, it can make us feel happy, so it can influence our mood by making us happy and helping us concentrate. And so I'll explain how how it does that. But then the other side of it, it can actually depress our mood and it can make us feel foggy in the brain as well. And that's people without brain injury as well. That's everybody. Mm. And so the first way in which... So if you have got a brain injury, having a healthy gut is really important. It's essential. I think when we focus too much on the one organ... It's a whole body It's the whole body. It's It's the whole body. So... Your digestive tract contains these microorganisms that I was alluding to before, and they're bacteria, fungi, yeast, parasites, and these live predominantly in the large intestine. So the large intestine is the last stop before we enter the t- before it enters the toilet. Okay, so the large intestine is home to a hundred thousand trillion different microbial species, which is about three kilograms in weight. So it's a big part of the human body. And these microorganisms feed off our food and they release chemicals. And if we have an abundance of diverse microorganisms like a rainforest in there and we have lots of species like acromantia or lactobacillus or bifidobacterium, they're just words, you don't have to remember those. That's not important. They just sound fun. 
Um, these guys can release serotonin. And serotonin, as I said before, serotonin is really, really important for our brain function. So serotonin is our resilience. It's our mojo. It provides us with energy, concentration, and a lust for life. It makes us happy. It makes us happy. It gives us that joy. Exactly. That's correct. Um, so serotonin, there's a, it's between 60 to 80% of serotonin is made by bacteria in your gut. And not only is it made, it's readily absorbed. We have lots of receptor sites for serotonin in our gut as well. So just to make that make sense, we can make all sorts of things in the body, but it doesn't mean it's absorbed into the bloodstream. But this is actually absorbed and then sent up via the vagus nerve to the brain. So one of the things, when we have a gut instinct, is the vagus nerve. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. So there's a reason for that. There is a reason for that. And we feel a lot of stress in our gut. And we feel a lot of our emotions in our gut. And and the vagus nerve is... And one of the things you could, you know, when you feel emotions, it's like butterflies in your tummy. Exactly. It's your vagus nerve. Exactly. Or even some people get reflux when they're really stressed. That's the vagus nerve. Um, and that other feeling, some people can feel joy in their bellies as well, which is really lovely, but that's a, that takes a great connection to your feelings. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a huge connection. And so that's a way it positively influences our brain and our health. Uh, and then the opposite, opposite side of that is these bacteria can release endotoxins. Endotoxins are lipopolysaccharides, LPS, that's what they're called, and they travel up the vagus nerve and they travel through the whole body as well in the lymphatic and the blood, but mostly in the vagus nerve. And endotoxins can impair the cell function of the brain quite significantly. And what would they be caused from? An overgrowth of the wrong microorganisms in the digestive tract. So just because we have a gut and just because we have bacteria living there, if we're not feeding them the right food or if we're exposing our digestive tract to lots of potentially harmful chemicals through foods or processed foods, processed foods or um, sodas and drinks exactly. and things like that. That's exactly it. So if we're exposing ourselves to lots of these processed foods without sufficient fibrous foods, so fibrous veggies, that's what feeds the beneficial bacteria, fibre. If we're not getting enough of that, what happens in our gut is essentially it's like trees are being chopped down to make farmland. And when we, make, when we chop down rainforests, that's when the weeds grow. And so there's these pathogenic bacteria, which mean harmful to the human organism, harmful bacteria that start to overgrow. And you're not going to... You know, you survive. You'll you'll survive them. But you're not nourishing your body no. and helping it or repairing it. Or, yeah. Um, doing any real good. Well, your your concentration is further impaired, and your cellular function is further impaired. So, you know, if you have any kind of chronic illness or if you have a brain injury, you want to have everything in your basket. To be able to To help yourself. Exactly, to help yourself as best as possible. I mean, everyone needs to be, really. So one of the other things is some people with a brain injury would have swallowing issues. Yeah. What would you suggest nutritious food for them to, you know... Be able to consume, yeah. Mm. So obviously it's unique to everybody, depending on what they can... everybody's totally different. Totally different. Um, first and foremost, it's getting as much bang for your buck. Okay. So if you can handle blended foods, so if you can handle smoothies, that's where you throw everything in there. Okay. So if you're able to swallow those without having to, without using too much effort, that's potentially something you could, you could throw in there. The really important thing with smoothies is they need to be balanced you want to be getting your protein you want to be getting your fat and you want to be getting fiber so they're the boxes you have to tick they're the boxes you have to be ticking 
protein is essential for brain health as well. I haven't even gone into that, but proteins like the Lego pieces of the human body, the amino acids that build the structure of the body. And then, of course, we've got the fat, as we've spoken about, and the fiber to feed the good bacteria in the gut. So a smoothie option could be, you know, the good old-fashioned egg flips, where people used to throw an egg in, put yep. some nice flavors to cover the flavor of the egg, and then you can put fiber in there in the form of fruit. Or if some people are brave, you can put zucchinis in there or green leafies in there. Now, like um, baby spinach or whatever. Uh, now, if that's not realistic, another option is making jelly from grass-fed gelatin. Mm-hmm. And again, with jelly, it's it's very gentle on the sides of the esophagus and you can hide into jelly made with grass-fed gelatin. You don't have to put sugar in there. You can put some nice fruits. You can even hide some nutrition powders in there so that you can get more of your essential minerals, magnesium, etc. Um, and choose a nice color as well because color, we've got to remember all the you senses. Eat with your eyes exactly. As well, Yes. Yeah, and it I've, doesn't look good. No, you don't want to eat it. Yes. I've recently discovered a blue color in the form of a type of spirulina. So you can put a knife, which is a type of algae. So you can make it blue and be getting some extra nutrients. Um, also, something if there's if there's a big issue with swallowing sufficient food. Uh, I really love topical creams for our essential nutrients. So our skin absorbs everything. It's the biggest organ. It is. Everything you put on your skin goes straight into your bloodstream. And we were talking about magnesium before. You can actually buy transdermal magnesiums in all sorts of forms. And I think the lotion's my favorite one because it doesn't itch. Some people get really itchy after using some magnesium oils. But you just put the lotion on your inner arms, belly, inner thighs because that's the softest skin. And that's a great way to get magnesium coming in if you really can't consume sufficient amounts. And I would definitely do that, Um, especially if someone's in hospital uh, and especially if someone's unable to um, move as well definitely rubbing magnesium soles of the feet nice fat feet massage foot massage that's english a nice foot massage with some magnesium would be great and then the other ones i'd apply externally would be vitamin e which is a really wonderful wonderful fat soluble um, vitamin that's essential for our health and vitamin a and just applying those externally as well would be really wonderful for brain health one of the other things is when people are in hospital hospital food is notoriously unnutritious no logic there (laughs) yeah um so you would suggest perhaps people bringing in food for them to supplement yeah definitely um there's (sighs) You've touched a, a really important issue in terms of hospital food, and I just, I'm still, my mind's still boggled. Baffled. Baffled, yes. boggled. Baffled. Thank you. Here you go. <laughs> um, with regards to why we still serve heaps of processed foods in hospitals, but uh, some key things to bring in would be any fresh fruits or vegetables. Now, it can be hard to transport fresh fruits and vegetables. And then where do you prepare them? So I really like encouraging people to make dips. So making a really green pesto. Um, You can throw lots of greens in that pesto and you can just take it in a container. And even if it's just added on top of a hospital sandwich Mm -hmm. or, you know, added on top of whatever else they're being served or with the crackers or whatever, at least you're getting more greens in, more nutrients. And then you can make beetroot dips and beetroot's really high in something called nitric oxide, which is important for blood health. Um, So I like telling people to make dips and you can just jam pack them with lots of nutrients and it's easy to transport them and you can make a big batch as well. Because obviously if you have a loved one in hospital, you're potentially a bit time poor as well Mm. and a bit, flustered so anything easy like that but 
So the other thing would be bone broth. So if that person consumes meat, getting a neighbour or a loved one to make up a big batch of bone broth uh, and using the knuckles from grass-fed animals, like the collagen um, cartilage parts, and you can hide lots of veggies in that. Uh, but a lovely big bone broth, and that's a really soothing thing to be able to drink. And of course, but very nourishing. So nourishing, really high in glutamine, which is an amino acid for gut health, and skin health, and and brain health, and really high in minerals as well. So it's got magnesium in it, which I didn't mention before. Yeah. Now, one of the other things, a lot of the time, people with brain injury have sugar cravings. Mm. How can you combat that in a healthy way? Yeah. So, relatable. Sugar cravings are very relatable. Uh, Something I would recommend is not focus on the problem. Like, don't say to yourself, I have to stop eating sugar and start there. I think start by increasing your other nutrients. So, making sure all your meals and snacks are balanced. So having protein, fat, and fiber, every meal and snack. So an example for a snack would be banana and a type of nut butter, like almond butter or peanut butter. And the peanut butter is supplying fat and protein, and then the banana's got the fiber. So and potassium. And potassium. Look at you. You're on fire. Well you done. You need potassium when you've got a brain injury. You do need potassium. So, yeah, bananas are a great source of potassium. Um, so balancing your meals, not going hungry, like making sure, even if you don't feel physically hungry, setting time to have a breakfast, a lunch and a dinner, or at least a lunch and a dinner. That's a balanced meal because as soon as we, as I said, protein, fat, fiber, as soon as we go hungry, that's when we're just looking for quick energy and sugar is an awesome form of quick energy. And if you're having balanced meals and there's still a bit of sugar still coming in, well, if you're getting all those other nutrients, the minerals in particular, hopefully your body can manage and assimilate and get rid of the excess sugar and it causes less harm to the body than it actually being quite a harmful, stressful thing. So what would be a healthy sugar? So anything that's – so any sugars – that exist within whole foods. So all our fruits, fruits, the benefit of fruit is that, yeah, it's high in fructose, which is a type of sugar, but it's also got minerals in there. There's also the fiber in there. And of course the antioxidants that help assimilate the sugar into the body. So I'd start with your fruits and veggies. They've all got sugar in them. So they're the healthiest forms of sugar. And then we go down the list into maple syrup, like a pure maple syrup. Again, that's a whole food. So what a whole food is, is it's something that hasn't had bits separated. The whole food's all there together. So that's got the minerals, the vitamins, and the, um, the antioxidants or phytonutrients, which are the beneficial chemicals in it. Then we go down to honey. Honey is a wonderful whole food, and it's sweet and delicious. And then we've got all of these other sweeteners that are becoming quite popular and we can get caught up in, you know, stevia and monk fruit and xylitol. There's heaps of kind of... uh, But if we keep it quite simple. Keep it really simple, I think, because the more processed something is, even if it's technically not cane sugar, then we're not... It's still a sugar in the body. And I even say to some people, just get raw sugar, you know, unadulted sugar like rapadura is a form of sugar that's still got the molasses in it because it's a dark sugar isn't it's it? dark yeah. and it's got the b vitamins in it that helps the body really assimilate the sugar so one of the tricky things sometimes is people think buying processed food is cheaper than buying fresh fruit and veggies or meat mm. um but really the health benefits mm outweigh exactly so you've got to pay for it somewhere if you don't pay for it with your groceries you pay for it with medications or supplements you pay for it with your health yeah or with your health exactly you know so we pay for it one way or another and i think uh, to eat healthy doesn't have to be a really expensive 
mission consequence. So I highly recommend looking at, you know, buying frozen veggies. You don't have to buy things fresh. You can buy frozen vegetables. And as I said before, you know, organ meats tend to be cheaper because no one wants them, but they're really high in nutrients. And same with bones to make bone broth. And the more you can learn to cook from scratch, and I understand having the energy to cook from scratch takes a lot of energy, but then you're getting more energy from that food to then be able to cook again. Mm. Or if you can find someone to do that for you or find somewhere that... Exactly, exactly. Like prioritise outsourcing. Um, And especially through various healthcare avenues, there are people that do cook for people. Um, and then, and then, yeah, prioritizing the cheaper veggies. You don't have to have the fancy kale or the fancy, you know, mung bean sprouts. You can just go for some classic, you know, potatoes, pumpkin, carrots, onions. They're really high in nutrients. Brussels still. sprouts, Brussels broccoli, sprouts, broccoli, beans. Yeah, exactly. And then your herbs. I just, I think herbs and spices are almost the real superfoods. They're so dense in nutrients and you can buy them dried and they're not that. And so the dry are equally as good for you as the. They're not the same. Well, not equally, but they're still beneficial. Exactly. They still have the minerals in them. And that's really important. We need minerals, zinc, magnesium, iron, copper, potassium, phosphorus, manganese, etc. And they are still in dried products. Yeah. And then what else for a tip with that? Yeah, I think um, the problem with processed foods is it's so tasty and convenient. But once you start swapping over to more whole foods, your taste buds can change as well, slightly. For health reasons, I mean, whole food, fresh food, where possible, is always going to be yes, better for you. Yeah, so... I, of, I often think about this if it's the mid-afternoon and I'm starving and my body's saying go eat a packet of chips or some chocolate or even like a healthy biscuit or something and I'll go into the supermarket and my, my body wants, you know, quick energy, something out of a packet and I'll read all these labels and you'll read the front of the packet and it says, you know, enriched with B vitamins and your daily need of protein or like an amazing protein bar, etc. But the reality is if I just go eat a carrot and some nuts. Or an apple. An apple and some nuts, that's going to be a balanced meal. So I just buy some nuts and I just buy a carrot or an apple or some fruit or some, you know, cheese, something that's quite, or like uh, some sliced meats or something like that, something that's just a whole food. I'm going to get way more out of it. It's cheaper than that fancy protein bar. And my body knows what to do with all those ingredients. Just because you're eating something that claims to have your, you know, 100% of your RDIs, recommended daily intake of whatever, doesn't mean your body can actually assimilate it, break it down, use Mm. it, and absorb it. And process all those chemicals. And process all those chemicals. Even if it is healthy, you know, it appears to be healthy. It's got the banner of, you know, five-star five health rating. So if you are buying a packaged food, mm. the less ingredients... The better. Yeah. And no numbers. And good luck reading the ingredients. Good luck finding the ingredients on the packet and good luck reading it. It's tiny and it's always hidden somewhere under a little tab or something. But yeah, less ingredients is best where possible. And no numbers. No numbers. Mm-mm. Now, is there anything that you would like to add, Lydia? Oh, I obviously have so much to say, and I, I really hope I've covered what it was that I wanted to say as well. Um, I think the most important thing is uh, two main important points. Number one, just because the the brain is where most of the injury is doesn't mean the whole body doesn't need attention so I like that idea of you know looking for the the root the root thing that influences our health rather than just treating the symptoms so going in deeper going into the gut 
going into supporting liver, supporting all the organs in the body. And the second thing is your health isn't static. Health is forever changing. Your cells are forever adapting, evolving. So I'm not saying we're looking for a cure, but just understanding there is something you can do to make day-to-day life a little bit easier. Uh, and that's, that's something I'm really, really passionate about. And food is information. So when we eat that food, it supplies information to our cells and our cells then know how to function based on that information. And food is medicine, isn't it? It is medicine. It's not like medicine. It is medicine. Uh, and there's no supplement or pill that is better than the natural food itself. So sometimes if you don't particularly like the taste of something or like eating something, think of it as medicine. Yeah. Because you might have to take a pill for something else and you don't exactly. like that. But if you don't like the taste of, I don't know, Brussels sprouts. Mm. It's medicine. It's doing me good. Just eat it. Yeah, exactly. Find find some other kind of joy rather than just flavour. The joy of feeling a little bit better or you're... Well, this is doing me good. Yeah, feeding the beneficial bacteria in your gut. Um, there is something else that just came to my mind that I'd like to explain. Uh, when the body is injured in one way or another, it causes inflammation. And inflammation in the human body is called oxidative stress. And what can happen is we have this, it's just like this blanket word used, you know, there's inflammation. And we know what inflammation looks like if we have an obvious injury, like we cut ourselves, then you see the inflammation. It's hot, it's red, it's painful. It's often swollen. It's swollen. And you watch it transform, and that's the body trying to heal itself. Now, when we have internal inflammation and when we have chronic inflammation, it's harder to see and it's harder to understand. And when we're looking at what oxidative stress actually is, it's a type of rusting. That's what inflammation is in the human body. And this is something that I had to have explained to me many times before I actually understood it. But... You know when you cut an apple in half and if you leave leave that apple out, the oxygen oxidizes it and you'll see it start to go brown. Now, if you cut that apple in half and immediately you squeeze lemon juice onto it, what would happen? It stays the way it should. Exactly. And that lemon contains antioxidants. All right. So antioxidants or antioxidants prevent the inflammation, prevent the rusting that happens inside our bodies. And what contains antioxidants? Our plant foods. Fruit and veg. Fruit and veg. Vibrant colours. So blueberries and... Blackberries. Pomegranates are amazing. Pomegranate juice is wonderful. Um, Turmeric, you know, all of these things that have vibrant colours contain antioxidants. And so... When we're just looking at supporting every single cell in our body, we understand that oxygen comes into the body. We need oxygen. But if we don't have enough antioxidants, that oxygen becomes harmful instead of beneficial. Did, did that make sort of, yeah. sort of? Yeah. So increase your antioxidants. That's really, really important. Um, and so if, when you're looking at eating fruit and veg, so it really is a rainbow. It, yeah, exactly. And there's a wonderful doctor, Dr. Terry Walls and Dr. Mark Hyman. They're, they're MDs that really promote eating a rainbow. And Dr. Terry Walls in particular focuses on how to eat to feed your mitochondria. And a big part of that is antioxidants. Um, and that's to assimilate the oxygen so the oxygen turns into that ATP we were talking about before instead of it oxidising and then we're not getting the ATP which is the energy that we require. I hope I didn't get too complicated in there. I hope it makes sense for most people. (laughs) If I can explain it in another way, I I would love to. (laughs) So if we do go quite simple... yeah. What would, the, what would be the easiest takeaway from that? So 
Eat a rainbow. Eat a rainbow, exactly. So if you have a plate of food in front of you, see how many colours are on there. And if there's not enough colours, add some more dark leafy greens or add lemon juice or lime juice. They all contain strong antioxidants that work really well. So eat a rainbow is a great, it's a great uh, takeaway, definitely. And every meal have protein, protein fat and fibre. So three things. Exactly. And we want to have our good fats from our cold-pressed oils to our animal fats, which are okay, especially if we're repairing animal fats with our antioxidants as well. And that cold-pressed oil could be olive oil, coconut oil. Avocado. Macadamia. Macadamia. Yeah, there's heaps out there. And extra virgin means cold-pressed. Yeah. I think they're the main takeaways. Drink water, eat a rainbow, and balance all your meals and snacks. And food is medicine. Exactly. And it will help you heal. Yes, exactly. You are what you eat and you are what you absorb and you are what you're able to detoxify. And rest as well. Rest is so important, uh, especially for those of us that have issues with sleep. You know, sleep when you can, if you can. And the magnesium definitely helps with resting the cells. Because it regulates heartbeat, doesn't it? And it does. Yeah. A really important thing it does is it relaxes muscles. And we have to remember the brain. Oh, so like a bath in magnesium salts. That's a great idea. Yeah, the external magnesium is very well absorbed. And the brain is a muscle. It's got, it needs to be relaxed by something. And that's what magnesium does. And the more rest, the more we can stimulate. So it's a balance. It is. It is, definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you, Lydia. My pleasure. Thank you, Cynthia. Very informative. <laughs> yeah. I, I hope, um, yeah, I hope you get something out of this. I'm sure we will. Yeah, I certainly did. <laughs> Good. Lydia Irving was our guest for this episode of Brain Aneurysm Conversations. Check out our Brain Aneurysm Conversation podcast page on Facebook for more information and suggestions. If you'd like to hear more in our series, why not subscribe to the podcast so that you'll never miss another episode. Until next time, I'm Cynthia. The podcast series Brain Aneurysm Conversations is for general information only. Consult your healthcare practitioners for specific advice pertaining to your individual circumstances.